And welcome back to Imagine Akasha. My name is Tom Fry. And I'm Nancy Balling. And we have a special guest for our last podcast of the year. I know, it's yeah. almost 2020. I know, we're wrapping things up here with a wonderful guest. Her name is Jenny Adams. She's been a shamanic wellness coach since 2001. She specializes in sacred feminine shamanism, mythology, and soul regression hypnosis. She's also a massage therapist and a Reiki master and has founded a group called The Spirit Root, which is dedicated to healing the feminine frequency of creating unique retreats and workshops and personalized programs of self-discovery. And she happens to be married to one of my best friends, John. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Good to be here. We're glad to have you. How did you get into this whole Reiki thing? I know that you said at one point, reading some of your research, that you had had an accident and stuff like that, and that kind of led you in that path, or mm-hmm. do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. Well, um, I guess it really started when I was younger and, you know pretty aware of unseen beings and, and beings of nature. Um, growing up in Australia, we were, you know, in the bush, so to speak. So that was pretty common to kind of go walk about in the bush and see a bunch of, you know, things as a child that were not really physical. But um, when we moved to the States, I got really deeply into gymnastics. And that was really kind of a, uh, a grounding mechanism for a lot of family drama. And so gymnastics became my life for about 13 years. Wow. Um, yeah. And what, I'm a what was your favorite um, event? Oh, definitely not the balance beam, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think still today I have tremors from it. Um, no, Pummel I like the horse. No, we don't do that as girls. Oh, you, oh that's right. That's no. the guy one. How yeah. about the one where you're, you dance around with a ribbon? That one looks pretty lame. Oh, God. Different type of gymnastics altogether. Yeah. No ribbons, unless no it's in ribbons. your hair. Um, yeah. So the Florex was my favorite. And um, that's actually the place I had my injury. So I was 16 and competing competitively and also doing high school gymnastics at the time. And had the flu one afternoon and had a meet and tumbled and thought I had more power than I did and just went up and came down and crumbled and broke my back um, at L4-5. Wow. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you still have that kind of pain? Because I have an L4-5 issue. I mean, is that is it completely healed or did you have to get surgery or what happened? Uh, I didn't have surgery. Um, I healed it. And everyone might think this is crazy, but I healed it with light. Um, the doctors told me, no running. You're not going to be flexible anymore. You're pretty much stuck. But I went home and I thought, I'm not going to listen to that. And so I started wrapping my body in white light and letting it kind of absorb into my spine like a giant sponge. Wow. Yeah. So what started to happen was I started to have some mobility and then I started to run and then I started to do yoga and then I started to sort of understand that my body could fix itself with the power of thought and the power of of quantum intelligence, really. That's our, incredible. I think our cells are highly intelligent. And if you're in alignment with them, they can they can fix you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's always cool when you, when you hear people say that, like we had that other guy on a couple episodes ago who talked about how he can take this energy and heal people. But when you've done it yourself and you're a perfect example of someone who actually had a broken back, I mean, you are diagnosed, broken back, your athletic career is over. I mean, you snowboard, you're very active, or ski, mm-hmm. John snowboards, but I know you're, you're very active. So it's not just something you hear about. This is firsthand. Jenny Adams has <laughs> dealt with this and uh, th- through light. Now, now, when you said you wrap yourself in white light, what, what did you do? Did you get like you know actual lights that you like you know set up on tripods and like put yourself on one of those little spindles and turned around like a like a pig on a like a pig on a spit (laughs) kind of no just kidding um no it was kind of like a mummy wrapping is the way i used to see it it started starting at my head and wrapping my my face which would calm my mind down quite a bit 
um, and eventually getting into the throat and then down into the body. And when I got to the back, it became very intense, almost like honey. You know, my back would throb and it would shoot sharp pains around and things like that um, and into my pelvis and such. And it just started to slowly get better. And yeah, so well, well, it was imagination work pretty much. Yeah. 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 So, so is that what, when you say white light for those of us who um, maybe don't aren't familiar with that, who are listening? Is is it a, is it? It's not like something you plug in. It's not like a light bulb. I mean, well, what exactly is it? I would call it creative visualization. Okay. So your mind is really your body, and your body is really your mind. So if you can connect the two and have a thread that you can talk to each other with, like a visual aspect, like a mummy wrapping, or and you were sixteen. I was uh, 16 to 17 when that happened. Well, that says yeah. a lot. You must be an old soul because that isn't, I don't think the average 16-year-old would be like, dude, I'll wrap myself in white light. Here, pass me the bong, you know. <laughs> and it was interesting because at the exact same time, um, you know, I gained a lot of weight being a gymnast for so long and then being totally immobile. So that was where I got really into um this dark night of the soul started to happen at the same time, which was such a conundrum. While I was healing, I was also kind of going in this spiral of body image hatred and self-esteem plundering and all this stuff. So it started me on a really interesting journey. Well, I know you've continued that. Um, I was uh, reading about how you, you went through bulimia and some things like that. And now you help women with feeling better about themselves and their bodies and things like that. Or yeah. you want to talk a little bit about that aspect sure. of your career? Yeah, I think that's really important, actually, for women. Um, yeah, for me, you know, it was really about, you know, I felt like I had this body that was an athletic body. And then all of a sudden, it was like I was transported into this this fat machine that I couldn't get out of. And it wasn't my body anymore. And it felt really, you know, odd. So I think... Just the disassociation from the body came with the food and trying to numb out the feelings of self-hatred with eating and pleasure eating because really you feel like crap when you're hurting. Oh, yeah. So you want to eat ice cream and you want to eat carbs, you know, pasta and all those things that maybe our bodies don't always love so much. Um, Yeah, so eventually it got pretty bad. You know, I gained about... I don't know, 50 pounds. Did you really? Yeah. So you're tall and thin. I can't imagine you 50 pounds heavier. Yeah, I did. I I was pretty heavy. And then um, my brain said, you can lose it. So then I became severely anorexic for a summer. With the bulimia or you just stopped eating altogether? Well, I ate and when I needed to eat, I would eat and then, you know, binge and purge. And so it became this cycle of, you know, what program am I on or off the wagon this week? Um, I'm on or off the wagon for this meal. Which, you know, can be really just mentally disheartening because you're constantly focused on what you look like and what food you're eating. And at the same time, you're hungry and you want to be social, but it's really hard when you have that disease. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So what brought you out of that? Well, you know, it was another kind of one of those weird moments. I was hiking in the mountains and I sat down with myself and I just thought about myself 30 years later. I thought, you know, what are you going to do when you're 50 and you're maybe you're in England and you're having a nice cup of tea with a scone? And are you still going to have the same mental runaround of, can I eat this today? What program am I on? It's, it took up all of my attention. And I thought, this is no way to live. So in a split second, I thought, I'm moving back down to Australia by myself at 17. And I'm going to heal this in an old-fashioned walkabout kind of way. So you did move to, back to Australia? Mm-hmm, I sure did. No kidding. Yeah. Did you still have friends there or you just went... Um, I didn't have any friends there. I had some, my mom had some parents, friends that I sort of stayed with for a couple of weeks. And then I ventured out to my own place. Yeah. And then everything got really bad. It's kind of interesting. You know, all my guides and all my intuition said, yes, go down there. It's going to be the best thing for you. And when I got there, everything started to fall apart even more, which was interesting. Um, you know, it was the spiral down to the bottom, I would call it. 
um, really lonely, really stuck, like stuck in the in the bulimia and really stuck in the isolation. And that really was the, the fuel, I would say, to what started my spiritual path as it is today. I think that if I were eating a Vegemite sandwich, I might turn into a bulimic too. But that's a different story. <laughs> it's not that terrible. Is it terrible, Jenny, a Vegemite um, sandwich? You can ask John. I think we, we have it in our pantry all the time and it's my comfort food. Oh, so you do like it. <laughs> I do. Vegemite and cheese sandwiches, man. It's the best. Oh, doesn't it kind of have kind of a like a, a wheaty kind of um, flavor to it? Almost, yeah, kind of like miso, but a little bit saltier. Wow, I would say it's not god awful. I've had it's worse not. things to eat. <laughs> I think haggis I is worse. I think haggis is a lot. I worse. had haggis because mm-hmm. you guys tried it when you were in Scotland. So when mm-hmm. I was just there, I tried haggis, but um, I had a haggis burger that was just terrible. But then I, I actually had it. The traditional way. So did you way. finish it? I ate half of it. And then I had the traditional way, which is where it's stacked up. And it's almost, it's kind of gross looking because it's like, it's, it's, they make it in a round cylinder. So you have haggis on the bottom, then potatoes, and then like, you know, some sort of a, what's on the top? Parsnips beets. or beets or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's almost like, an, it's a cylinder shape. So I had a bite of that and I'm like, okay. But the guy I was eating it with that I met there who was showing me around, a friend of a friend uh, who happened to be not at work that day so he could totally show me around. He he didn't want to use the gravy. I'm like, dude, that would be the best part because if this had gravy, I'd be all over it. But anyway, <laughs> enough about haggis. Uh, when you were in Scotland, uh, you had a pretty incredible experience. John was telling me about this place that you guys were staying at. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe what that kind of effect has had on you? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, after the dark night of the soul, I call it in Australia, I started doing a lot of sacred feminine work. And through the course of my 20s, I spent a lot of time at the Fintorn Foundation in northern Scotland, um, just learning from different shamanic teachers there and getting in, you know, kind of evolving my toolbox, I would say. So, yeah, John and I went there last year and it was good for him, I think. He learned a lot about permaculture and meditation and mindfulness and that kind of thing so being off the grid not having your cell phone and all that kind of stuff so what is this institute i've never heard of it um it's called the fintorn foundation it was started by eileen caddy and peter caddy um and it's i think it started in the 60s of course um it's a commune that's sort of an intentional community that focuses on spirituality being uh, co-creating with nature and listening to the, the devic realm of nature as a spiritual practice and is that part of your shamanic teachings then? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, very close to the earth-based energies, I would say, because we are of the earth, yeah. You Some all- of us are. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you, don't, I don't, don't know. Don't where look he's at going. me. Um, I know you had, uh, had you and John had talked about doing a retreat. Is this thing still on? And can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, we're doing a trip to Peru in June. Um, it's more of a shamanism retreat and also extremely uh, hikeable retreat. We're hiking the Inca Trail with about 12 people. Wow. Um, focusing in on some shamanic principles of growth and, you know, kind of cleaning out the energetic body a little bit through physical exercise and altitude. <laughs> what is the altitude there? Um, I think Cusco is around 11,000. Okay, because we're at 5280 here in Denver, but when you go up into the mountains, you know, you climb a 14. I mean, so 11,000, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. So so can other people join you on this group, or is it already a closed 11, 12 people? You know, that one's actually full already. Okay. Um, we are thinking about planning one down to Costa Rica um, probably in September, which will be a mindfulness meditation, breathwork retreat for couples and, and whoever wants to come. Wow, that and sounds And how can cool. people find you? How can people like check out these retreats and sign up? Um, they can go to the website, um, thespiritroot.com. 
that's root like a tree root, not root like a car root. <laughs> um, and the we have a lot of root. we have a lot of stuff there. Yeah. What yeah. else do you have that on there? What else do we have on there? Um, I do quantum nutrition is what I call it. Um, it's a nutrition coaching system that works through the chakra system um, and really gets to every aspect of being. So we start out with the physical root chakra, work with nutrition, nutraceuticals, plant-based diets, um, plant-based, not plant-only. That's important to mention. Um, then we work our way up, really. We get into the emotional body of the sacral chakra. We get into the solar plexus and the mental body and what we think and how we believe things to be true will actually create our reality. Um, heart chakra, throat chakra, third eye, um, spiritual connection, um, and eventually, you know, all the way up. That's incredible. Yeah. I probably could use something like that. I don't know, though. With ADHD, it would be hard for me to sit still for too long. <laughs> now, I, I know for a while you were you were uh, selling these products, and I'm not sure if you still are, but we, we can talk a little bit about that. Those uh, products that I remember John mm. has, had been on it for like a year, and he had lost a bunch of weight and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about those products? Sure, I can. Um, yeah, as part of the um, root chakra section of the coaching, we really look at flooding the body with really concentrated phytonutrients um, in order to fill nutritional gaps and, you know, kind of start to detoxify the body um, and brain and heal the microbiome. So we work with Purium Health Products quite a lot um, and some other companies as well, but we just, we love them. They feel really good in the body. They are concentrated, dehydrated with very low heat, so they're still enzymatically alive which is a huge deal because when you go to Vitamin Cottage or Whole Foods, you might be buying dead food off the counter. That's true. That mm -hmm. is true. You want live food. That's that stuff. I remember yeah. the juice man when I got my juicer, the juice man. I was listening to these tapes and he was talking about live food. Even if you like juice a carrot and an apple, if you don't drink it right away, you're not getting it while it's alive. So if you you know juice it and then put it in the refrigerator and walk away, or you buy something off the shelf that's that's you know carrot juice, it's lost all of its live enzymes. Mm -hmm. So now also and it's hard to get nutrients in our food anyway. Exactly. Yeah, our soil's pretty uh, pretty buggered. It say. is pretty buggered. Yeah. Also, uh, John had mentioned uh, some. Um, what's that stuff called? Uh, it it, it d derives from hemp, the uh, from marijuana, CBD. There was oh, a CBD. There's yeah. a CBD product you also sell on there. Yeah, website, well, right? I mean, Purium does a really high potency CBD, which is 1,500 milligrams. Wow. Um, which is a lot, yeah, and. Um, you know, you spray it underneath your tongue, and it fits in your purse, which is nice. Um, and you can, you know, spray it under your tongue, and it gives you all the benefits of what CBD does in the body, which is enormous if you've ever oh, looked at absolutely. it. absolutely. Um, yeah, I might just say, if anyone wants to know, echoconnection.org, I believe, is the website to go to for all the studies on CBD. And um, if people want to get some of these products for themselves, can they get it through your website, or what's the best way to do that? Yeah, they can come through the website um, and set up so – we have a Thrive program that we love to do, which is – going to be a set you up with a huge program really so you get lots of superfoods you get some flower essences to work with the spiritual bodies um, and coaching throughout. and coaching as well mm -hmm. and it's the spirit root r-o-o-t mm -hmm. yeah and then do you teach yoga too jenny um i don't really teach yoga i do a lot of yoga um <laughs> i feel like sometimes i've you know i have all these tools and yoga is one of the tools i like to be a student in instead of teaching um so I do incorporate yoga, and I do a lot of breathing work. I do a lot of breath work, um, emotional release breath work. So that's if I could say anything, I teach pranayama. <laughs> you also a massage therapist, and a good one. 
Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of I'll, I do a lot of massage, what I try incorporate with a lot of um, healings, you know, Reiki and sound th- sound healing. Explain to me the Reiki thing because I, I mean, I've always kind of been intrigued by it. I, I even made up a joke once, and I know massage therapists hate this joke because I have a very good friend named Carrie who's a massage therapist. And anytime you word, mention the word happy ending, even as a joke, like when you're getting your massage, so how much for a happy? You know, it's like that's not funny. You know, it's like we're professionals. But what would a happy ending be like in, for a Reiki massage? Because they don't really touch you. You know, I always thought mm. there's a joke to be told somewhere there that some comedian has got. So if you're a comedian listening, uh, uh, attack that one for me. But how does Reiki massage work? I mean, I know that you're not physically you know rubbing the shoulders you're like putting your hand just above the skin kind Mm -hmm. of yeah well I mean I think mine's different I don't really do traditional Reiki anymore because I was you know I've been doing Reiki 20 years and I feel like I think that if we're in a physical body we really need to address the physical and the energetic so I do a lot of actual body work um, and then a lot of Reiki as well so when you get a happy ending from my massages, you will be really happy because you'll be in so much physical pain with your trigger points. You'll be glad it's over. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Literally a happy ending. Thank yeah. God it's done. <laughs> Thank God. So to answer Tom's question, what is Ricky to you? For me, it's, you know, I think we all have these higher chakras that um, these higher energy bodies, if you will, that, you know, live in the astral plane or even the causal plane, which is some yogic terms. Um, you know, when we do Reiki, we're kind of pulling more of ourselves through and allowing other people to feel that vibration. And when they do that, they get um, to be coming back into resonance with their own higher vibrations. So it's really about, you know, resonance. Everything is about resonance here. So what do you think your philosophy really is? It's it, Because I would assume that you're not just doing the sacred feminine. Or are you waking the sacred feminine up in the masculine? Mm-hmm. Too? Yeah. yeah, that's something we're going to get into probably next year. Um, you know, the sacred feminine to me is really opening up the emotional space and integrating, you know, the feeling centers and the energetic and intuitive centers of the person back into um, active awareness. So, so many times people are very mental and live, you know, like a bobblehead, very top heavy, you know, very mental. And by programming, I would say, energetic programming from media and through whatever. Pa- parental. Yeah. And, and societal. Parental and societal, yeah. Yeah, and they live in, you know, complete slavery to their traumas as children. So, That's a big one. Yeah, we don't really get at it unless we want to get at it. So... For the sacred masculine to be woke or sacred feminine to be woken up in the sacred masculine would be to really deal with that stuff and to integrate. Wow. And I've been seeing that, you know, as a yoga teacher, that just in the last 10 years, classes 50-50, male and female, mm-hmm. when I first started teaching, it was pretty much 99.9% female with the occasional older gentleman that knew the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's 50-50. Sometimes my classes will be top-heavy and only masculine. Oh, very cool. Well, that's because you're cool and all the guys want to show up to <laughs> hang out with you. To imagine. To imagine. No, you're a, you're a great yoga teacher. I've, I've taken your classes. You should, you should check out her classes. Mm-hmm. They're great. You know, um, Perth, mm-hmm. being raised in Perth, do you think, because I have been to Australia, America's survival, I think Australia is more fun. People mm-hmm. aren't so wrapped up in surviving. They're more wrapped up in, you know, living is mm-hmm. what it feels like when I've been there. Well, the public holidays, it makes it easy. <laughs> um, and, yeah. you know, the surfing and the right. walkabouts and just mm-hmm. nature. Everyone seems more connected to the planet mm-hmm. than here. We're just rushing and surviving, you know, angry and upset. 
More well, I think my mom and I were talking about this today, as a matter of fact, how, and I don't just, just want to blame this on, you know, the current, uh, you know, administration or whatever, but it does, it does seem like people are more upset. It seems like people are just really seem to, they're not as friendly and, and not as nice and they're more accusatory and they're more defensive. Defensive. I, we, we've really noticed this. I mean, I, I have, and I'm sure you have as well. And in a place like my dad just got back from Australia. It was his first time there. My, my uh, stepsister lives there. And he said it was amazing how friendly everyone was and how everyone was just laid back and cool. Well, I think we have to look at the fact that Australia is an island. <laughs> That's true. And Aussies travel a lot because we have island fever in a little in parts of our bodies that we have to see other cultures. And when you travel, you tend to know your world is not the only way the world works. And, you know, you want to connect with people and you want to understand different cultures and different ways of being. And I'm not sure that that's really a priority here so much. Mm -mm, Not at all. Um, Most people haven't traveled. I mean, the average person, depending on your socioeconomic background and also depending on your educational background, I mean, probably 75, 80 percent of the people have never been out of the country before. I mean, how are you? But but if you lived in Europe, say, and you were living in France, of course, you've gotten on a train and gone to England or gone to Germany or whatever, because it's mm -hmm. it's, because just like most people have been to more than one state. You know, it's like everyone's been to New York or to Florida or to Texas or California. Yeah. Well, everyone in Europe has been to the other other places but it's the same culture when you go to new york and california and texas it's pretty much american culture like there is a true human survival yeah um Mm -hmm. feeling vibration here but there is not in australia i'd say the united states is really stuck in the shadow of the root chakra which is survival fear your adrenal glands are totally fried and you're still going and australia might be more you know maybe the heart chakra Yes, at least. Well, she loves it so much, my stepsister. Um, she just she just got married, and uh, they're planning on staying there. They're having a kid this year or next year, so um, they just bought a really nice house. So yeah, but I don't know. I, I heard there's big spiders there. Yes, <laughs> everything will kill you. <laughs> um, so, do you think that we are raising in consciousness? You know, with the 2020 awakening, all that stuff that. You know, we're being Mm -hmm. programmed to, too. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on each person. I mean, I really feel like these days everyone's their own guru. And there's so much information out there on social media and in the media that you can really find whatever you want. And you can study whatever you want without even having to pay huge tuition bills these days. So if the idea is to learn and to grow and to ascend in a way, you can find whatever you want on YouTube or anywhere. You don't have to be a slave to the system and, you know, rack up student debt in order to know things and to do your work. So I think it becomes, do you want to do your work or not? It's very simple. So do you believe people are doing the work? I think a lot of people are, yeah. I think we're, we're on an upslope, although it may seem that it's not. I think people are waking up, yeah. What does that mean to you, Tom, waking up? What? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, waking up, I, I, I think our society is, is, is starting to wake up a little bit. And I think that that happens, you know, you almost got to kind of hit a low point for, to really realize, you know, the importance that we're all on this earth together and that we're all, you know, we're all humans and we all have feelings and we all want to be right and we all want to be accepted. And, uh, you know, when you have the world like it's been, it's, it's difficult to, to climb out of that. And I think that, you know, people are starting to see that uh, with, with diet. Yeah, I mean, just knowing you in the 16 years, you've changed your diet completely. Oh, completely. I mean, I, you're on my 
ass about salt and yeah and i mean i've and, and, dairy and, and, and i almost eat completely organic now i mean occasionally obviously when you go to a restaurant you don't really know but i grow my own food like you got you have a beautiful garden and mm. uh not only just eat, eating, but, you know, exercising and, you know, exercising your mind as well. I, I just think that, you know, more people are, are, are realizing that than, than, you know, you look at the 50s and stuff and everything was just kind of, this is the way it was and nothing was Cigarettes and martinis. Cigarettes mm-hmm. and martinis. Yeah. <laughs> the wife, wife at home baking a cake in her little apron while dad went out to the insurance company. You know, that was just kind of the life. No one really looked beyond that. But then again, we didn't have social media back then. We didn't have a podcast like this where you can mm-hmm. enlighten some people as well so yeah now it's just at least in colorado it's cannabis and microbrews nothing wrong with either of those things though actually (laughs) um what is your favorite part of your practice um i love group work i love doing retreats i love doing the sacred feminine retreats specifically um because when i was down in australia um in my crazy dark night i had this really lovely realization come through me that was Basically, you need to teach through Greek mythology, which is a strange thing to have come down in a download, but it did. And so I love teaching Greek mythology as a lens to get into the psyche of women and men, because the stories are basically like patterns of consciousness, and I just find them fascinating. Could you give us one? Sure. Yeah, a story. Um, Well, the root chakra is ruled by Artemis. Um, Her name is Diana in Roman, and she's known as the goddess of the hunt. Um, goddess of childbirth, goddess of troubled passages. Um, she's kind of like the wild woman. She was born from her mother who was a nymph, and she was born as a wolf. Um, wow. And at the same time, her twin brother Apollo, most people know him, um, was born straight after, but they were in a perilous situation. Um, so Artemis kind of midwifed her brother coming into this world, which, you know, she's kind of like this woman who helps a lot, but then kind of goes and checks out into nature. Um, incredibly into uh, feminine beauty, doesn't judge women for their bodies, but by how fit they might be. So they can go running and chasing stags through the wilderness with her. Um, Very into sisterhood, I would say. So we can compare that myth to how women are today with each other, for instance, and say, you know, do you feel like you're more in a sisterhood mindset or are you more in a competitive mindset with women? Or do you really feel connected to nature or do you feel like you control nature? Um, Do you feel you're connected to your diet and your food, or do you feel like you micromanage your diet and your food in order to look a certain way? So it can can go deep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is very very cool. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Greek mythology is one of the most, uh, one of my more favorite classes in in college. I took a class, Mm -hmm. and it's very fascinating. And a lot of things, you know, whether they're stories of the Bible or stories of Greek mythology, I mean, they can all have a place in today's society if you don't take them literally and you don't, you know, you're looking at them as lessons, which is, I think, the problem with a lot of people with religion is they look at these as verbatim stories of things that actually happen rather than saying this is kind of a tale to give you at the end of the, at the, end of the story. You say, oh, I can see how I can apply that to my life, which I, I think is the, the safer way to go. Mm-hmm. That's just me, though. <laughs> Mr. Agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> are you really agnostic, though? I th- I don't know. Are you? Well, of course not. Are you? Of course not. <laughs> oh, man, it's two against one. <laughs> well, agnostic just means that you don't know. <clears throat> right. And, so. and, and I think that's a good answer to say because I don't know. I mean, it's like, for all I know, I die and all of a sudden I'm there at the gates and, you know, and there's St. Peter and I'm like, boy, that I have this one wrong, you know? <laughs> Or, or you I, die and that's n- it. And nothing You're happens. In the ground. Right. Or, <laughs> or I you die. die and you come back as your cat. 
that wouldn't be bad. Hey. You could come back as Tobin. Oh. Lord Tobin. It wouldn't be too bad. You know, he's got a great life. He does. <laughs> Tobin's a John and Jenny's cat, and I've, I've pet sit for Tobin before. Tobin's a cool dude. He's one of my favorite cats. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you're also a cat person. All three of us are cat people. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool, too. Yeah, they can see in between the realms. <clears throat> I think they can. They definitely know that they can definitely see because um, there was a ghost in my house when I first moved in and my cat zooms hid and would not come out and I didn't know what to do. So someone said, well, light some uh, sage. And soon as I lit the sage, he came out and he followed me around and he's been cool since. It's like this cat knew that there was something there and then knew, knew I was, you know, warding off some of that negativity. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool too. So that means if we go diagnostic and you... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that yeah. seems to resonate in my mind that you know that there's probably a, well, other that, things so out So I guess there. you could say I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. How about that's, that? Yeah, that's great. There I think go. that's how we all should be. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe Although the religion earth, does help people. I do believe the earth and the energy is certainly where God is. God is not like some guy in the clouds, you know, with a... That's Zeus, actually. Zeus. See, we can bring the Greek <laughs> mythology back in here. But yeah. you, but do you believe? What would you? So, how would you explain Zeus then? If 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 God is energy, and you kind of practice that? Well, I mean, I have a degree in religion, and I've studied a lot of religion and a lot of psychology of religion and neuroscience. And so, when I look at it all, I go, every culture has its way of understanding its reality. And you know, back in the Paleolithic era, we might have been treating animals as gods because they were our life, blood, and everything, heat, everything. You know, we transition into the agricultural era where agriculture was the god, and that becomes the feminine religions of the goddess, of the cycles of the earth, of the cycles of growing. You transition into Abrahamic, and you get into this place where God is a man. You get into it now, or maybe God is quantum. I don't know. Maybe we just need to translate God into some other word. That's not a bad yeah. idea, too. So I didn't know you had that, uh, that background in religious studies. That's incredible. Yeah, I had to figure out what the heck was going on. <laughs> You know, have you figured it out? You think (laughs) I think I have a firm understanding of what I don't know. (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) Which would be a lot, (laughs) a lot. If you could have one guest for dinner at your house and and this, I've never asked this question to a guest before, but I was just curious if if you could, you know, get some answers. Would it be like a Gandhi kind of a person Mm. or would it be someone like Jesus? I mean, I would definitely have Robin Williams to dinner. There you go. Robin Williams. For he'd be, sure. He'd be more fun than, uh, well, maybe not as fun as Little Baby Jesus. Little Baby Jesus might be fun. He too. might be fun, dude. <laughs> like toddler Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> how Talking we, teenage How come we Jesus. never see teenage Jesus? I mean, Jesus goes from like Little Baby Jesus in the manger to, um, you know, fully to grow with a beard. from the dead. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Teenage <laughs> Jesus was probably like lighting bags of poo on people's front porches, you know? He was like a total troublemaker. <laughs> or washing people's feet, probably. <laughs> or, or getting his feet washed by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had a foot fetish. Lepers. Maybe he had leper friends. <laughs> um, okay, so like, what else can we talk about? I mean, one of my new favorite things is biodynamic breath work. Has anyone yeah, heard of that? that? No, I have not. No. Oh, it's fantastic. It's emotional release breath work that pairs up trauma therapy with pranayama, essentially. Deep circular holotropic breath. So um, how would you describe to do that if you were going to teach Tom and I how to do that? Oh, well, hmm. Well, you have to get really comfortable with vulnerability, first of all, and start breathing circularly, which means you don't take a pause between your in and exhale, and you breathe deep into the lower lungs, 
And you do that for about 90 minutes and, you know, you flood your body with oxygen and you flood your body with prana. And when you do so, emotional blocks start to melt and all kinds of things start coming out. And so lots of emotional release. I'm, I'm breathing like that right now. It's you just, are? Oh, I was just doing it when you were talking. So it's, it's continued. Through the mouth. And they actually, would, this yeah. is the breath that I used to try to get out of the body. Oh, to yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out, out, of the, out the nose, in the mouth? No, in the mouth, out the mouth. So. I think Stan Groff, yeah, Stan Groff started holotropic breath work, and he did a lot of studies with LSD as well. So you can definitely leave your body with this, but if you can stay in your body while doing it, that's where the healing happens. Wow. Lots of people dissociate. So you're trying to get out of your body, Nancy. Well, I've been trying for... <laughs> It'll happen trying, one yeah. day. <laughs> it's one happened day. once or twice. It's have you had an experience, an out-of-body experience? Yeah, I've had several. Have you really? Do you want to talk about those at all, or is that not... Well, I mean, I can, whatever. I'm an open book. Um, like yeah. lucid dreaming, or... Well, yeah, I lucid dream all the time. I have conversations really? with my guides at night, and I have talkings, too, sometimes, and I'm not in alignment with what I should be doing. Um, you but my, lucid dream regularly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just want to do it once, man. Mm. <laughs> I just want to do it once. <laughs> well, try that breathing technique yeah. before you go to bed for 90 well, you know, minutes. I, I can't I imagine. have sleep apnea, though, so I stop breathing. <laughs> I have to mm. have my, my, my little thing up my nose. But Well, tell us. A, well, what's there to tell? I mean, you know, you just know you're not your body. There's, I mean, at least in my last one, it was I was, I was floating above my body in a very green light. And I just remember seeing my body below me and it was sitting up and it was there and it was doing its thing. And, and I was like, cool, there's Jenny's body, like hanging out above it, just being like, that's interesting. Um, you know, have you gone to other worlds then, or do you just stay kind of around your body? Um, I have gone to other worlds when I was younger. Um, and now I just find that the work I need to do is really in the body. And that's the funny thing that's happened this year, I think. I'm realizing that my higher self is actually deep, deep, deep within me. It's not outside me. It's not in my crown chakra where everyone thinks it is outside somewhere in the other dimensions. It's deep within. So the deeper I can get into my body and the more I can access that um, intuition, the sixth sense within all the other senses, that's where the, the wisdom is. They're so. actually discovering that it's probably more in your heart space, mm-hmm. that the heart is communicating more with your brain than your brain the heart. And actually, this is the coolest thing I found out this week. Your heart is about six seconds ahead of everything. Mm-hmm. So you can actually tell the future if you were more in your heart space than your head space. Wow. That's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. It is pretty deep and powerful. I mean, if everyone had that information, you would want to be more in the heart space than in your head. Right. You want to take care of yourself a little bit better and take yeah. care of your body. Well, that's why I think trauma work is so important because it's scary to be in your body when you're all frozen in there and you have all this stuff you haven't dealt with, you know, or it's all like it's like living in an ice chest instead of living in fluid water. You know, it doesn't feel very good. So people automatically dissociate to their brain and into the higher chakras or where they can associate completely from their bodies. Right. Yeah, and then they're having ex- intense ex- spiritual experiences but but they're not in the body. And the point of being incarnated in this body in this body specifically is to learn lessons in this body. So if you don't want to do it in this one, you'll just come back and do it in another one. <laughs> so. Maybe your cat. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the cat. And usually worse though, you don't get to go to something better. Yeah. Cuz the you'll cat would be the worse. cat would be better probably. <laughs> Everything that's going on, you have chosen. I mean, mm-hmm. you choose everything. Even if it seems like you're a victim to that choice, you're still choosing. Yeah. And, and going out of this body quickly 
onto another one, you usually make it harder for yourself. I mean, think about the lessons you've learned up to this date. Usually it doesn't come the first time. Usually comes three or four times later when a light bulb pops on and says, hey, I probably should go left. I keep going right and <laughs> everything goes to shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this has been fascinating. I had no idea when I when I met you. I remember the first time I met you was John's second date with you, and we Ooh. had we had just come from watching a, a, a Red Wings hockey game at this place. And he said, "I'm going to meet this gal downtown at this bar." Remember, he got into oh, the I accident. Remember. He yeah. wiped out on his bike, and yep. he shows up with blood all over him. And and you lost your phone. I left my phone at the <laughs> place, so I had to leave. So I think I left John in good hands, though. Yeah, we were having a good time dancing. Yeah. Did you fall off the bike too? No, John would just went around this corner and he just, you know, totally bit it. But he got up really cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. You know, and he's like dripping blood. <laughs> oh. I guess the bartender said, dude, you got to put a bandage on. When you-, you have to put a bandage on before you can order a beer, I think was this the thing. And I was like, God, this guy is like, I don't think I should keep dating him. And then, you know, fast forward. Exactly. <laughs> You're married. We're married. <laughs> so it's kind of weird how the world works. It is. It's very interesting. So yeah. do you coach um, dating too? Is that part of your thing or, or does that I mean, ever come up? I coach couples sometimes and I do couples breath work, which is intense for couples. Because um, as much as you think you know each other, trust me, there's layers. <laughs> um, and I also do weddings and rituals for couples if they want to do like a baby ceremony or a wedding um, or even a disconnection service, which is to kind of help them to dissolve their cords. Not cut the cords. That's not my job, but... Dissolve their own cords. Like, like Does that mean like divorce? divorce? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like divorce. Like if you really want to be done with someone's energy and you're both on that, you know, that par, then you can have some support there. Wow. Very cool. That's kind of cool. You don't usually hear about that. Yeah, I believe you have to cut your own cord. I agree. <laughs> it's your karma. How can someone do it for you? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you and I have never been married before, so we haven't had to cut. Well, you've had to cut relationship cords. We've had to do those, but... Mm-hmm. That's a little different than being, you know, really in a lifelong partnership and maybe having children or, you know, something that's mm-hmm. a little because it's hard to cut those cords, especially when you have a child. And man, the child's the one who suffers the most. And I think a lot of our emotional damage. I mean, you've you've been through a divorce, mm-hmm. your, your family. Yeah. And your parents are still together. My parents are still together. But I've been through a couple of divorces, you know, and it's mm-hmm. and I would think a lot of the emotional scars and emotional baggage that you carry with you, you know, when you see your parents fighting when you're four or five years old, you don't understand what it's about. You take mm-hmm. it personally, you know, and then and then dad tells you, your mom's such a pain in this. You know, you, you never talk bad about the other parent. You know, you want to mm-hmm. they love you. We don't always agree, but we do agree on one thing. We both love you and you're the best. I mean, that's man. Just being a good parent can change a lot of things. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I think I'm. I might see where some of your trauma is. Thanks. <laughs> Not my mom, though. My dad, maybe, right? Yeah, That's it's super funny. interesting. Very interesting. And on that note, I always find it really fascinating that it's like the trauma becomes the armor, right? It's like you become like this really armored up person with your habits because of what's not being felt on the inside and think it's your personality and think that's who you are, but maybe it's not. Maybe that's just what you had to armor with. Exactly. So people pleasing or whatever it is, you know, that's a big, that's a really popular one. That's a popular armoring. Yeah, I don't think I have that one, do I? People please. Well, you like to please. People. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. I'm. I'm. I'm very generous. As and strangers, you don't so much. No, but, that's not mm. true. I'm nice to strangers. No, you're nice to strangers, but I don't. Uh, like, I don't. 
you're not cooking them dinner. And- well, I can't, <laughs> I'm not planning on like just inviting you know anonymous people into but my house for care. dinner. Here's what I I think you're you. You don't care if people like you or don't. Yes. Yeah. That's true. My dad's famous line was "fuck them if they can't take a joke," and I have taken mm-hmm. that to a new level. <laughs> Although you know, this is what I really appreciate about you. Out in the public, you will find the person that probably feels the worst about themselves. And you go right up to them, and you chat them up, and you can see their energy just rise up above where it had been looking at them before. That, that's your gift. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad gift to have. It could no, be it's worse. Not a, no, no, no. It's a great gift. Well, thank you. Most people aren't doing that. They're ignoring the, the person that looks and feels energetically the worst. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. No, I, I, like, I like to make people happy. I think that's a good thing. I think we all need a little bit of that in our life. We do. Yeah. And less self-centeredness and more, you know, no, reaching sure. out and helping other people. And you certainly do that with your career. And it's been great having you here. This yeah. has been really cool. Did you want to? What, what is your website again? Please? Yeah. Um, it is this, thespiritroot.com. T-H-E, the spirit root, R-O-O-T. And if somebody wanted com. to get a hold of you directly, how mm-hmm. do they email you? They can go to the site and hit contact. Um, Perfect. Yeah, and we do have, I mean, the retreats fill up pretty quickly, um, but we're in the stages right now of planning a fall sacred feminine retreat. So if anyone's really interested in getting on board for that one, it will be an advanced retreat, I must say. Um, it's going to be in Nicaragua at a beautiful eco lodge. I thought it was in Costa Rica. This is a different one. Oh, a different one. <laughs> How many do you run a year? Um, usually like three to four. Um, this year we're wow. doing a couple extras because we're doing some couples and... Um, you know, some lighter ones too, not just the heavy lifting. So. Wow, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess John won't be here for the opening of the football season. He'll be in. <laughs> that's on purpose, by the way. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, Sunday's John and I's football day. I know. It's it's I call it the ball sport day. Yeah. I'm like, oh, when's ball sports over? That's when I'm going to be back to normal. <laughs> exactly. But then we go to baseball or basketball or some ball. Yeah, it's it's never ending. It's never ending. Mm-hmm. It's a big circle, kind of like the circle breathing it's in, or the circle light. It's just one big circle of sports. One big circle of sports. <laughs> well, let's do a guided meditation so we can close up. So okay. Sounds sit great. Sit back, relax, start to take some deep breaths in and some deep breaths out. And if you can actually bring your mind to doing that circle breath. So as you pull it in, you're going to want to pull the breath up into your brain and then come down your back through your tummy back out of your nose you're going in a circle maybe one direction and then if you can get your mind around going in the opposite direction and then on that avenue of your heart I want you to focus on your heart you might see it as a symbol like a valentine symbol of a heart or maybe you see the actual beating organ heart in your mind eye mind's eye but as you Continue that circle breath, and you draw that heart towards you through your thoughts, through your brain. You actually have a moment to connect to your heart, and there will be a message here that will be healing and helpful to your soul. And as that message comes, you're just taking the pieces that make sense to you so that you can bring them back and incorporate them into your daily life. And 
as you take that message, the pieces that really make sense to you, and you bring them to the surface, starting to come back into your physical body by wiggling your fingers and toes. Taking a deep breath in, open your mouth, exhale completely. Thank you for coming, Jenny. Thanks for having me. That was fun. That was very fun. We'll yeah. have to do it again. I'd like to have both of you in here sometime. That'd be kind of cool. You, Let's we have champagne an extra, next time. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do champagne, and we'll we have an extra seat here. We'll get John, and we'll talk about your retreat when you come back. Maybe. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this wonderful year of Imagine Akasha. I can't wait to come back to 2020 where everything is possible. Everything is possible. Have a wonderful holiday season. Mm, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.